such wonderful testimony from that Renewing Hope ministry. And man, you know, it's interesting because the community didn't ask us to come. We called them. You know, the title of my message today is uh, Stick Your Neck Out. <laughs> stick Your Neck Out. Do you know what I mean when I say that, Stick Your Neck Out? It's a risk. You got to take a risk sometimes. I just feel like as Christians, we got to take a risk. Sometimes we got to call somebody and say, you don't, you don't know me. We don't have a relationship, but we're going to have a relationship. You're going to know me. And I feel like that's what Renewing Hope Ministry did. They just started making phone calls. Nobody was calling us. Nobody was asking us for help to serve them. The, the, the community didn't call us and ask us to come in and do it. Easter egg hunt. We called them. We called them as Christians. Let me speak to you now. We're called by God to bring hope into hopeless situations. And that takes faith. That takes us to take a risk to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my neck out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk here. And last week I talked about faith. I want to continue that, that message this morning with you guys. I want to get into the part of my message I never got into last week. So you're kind of going to get a fresh word, but also a word that, that carries over from last week as well. Hebrews 11 verse 1 famous faith chapter in the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're all praying, Lord, send it. And God is saying, go get it. Lord, I I pray for an opportunity. Lord, I pray you send something my way. I pray you use me. And God's saying, go get it. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go, go on. Go get it. Go do something. Isn't that awesome? Luke 17, verse 19 says this. Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Most healings take place as we move forward. Most healings take place in our life as we go. You, you, you just, sometimes you can't sit back and just wait. You ever feel God kind of punish you for waiting too long? Ever felt like God put a hard hand on you and say, stop sitting still? Get up and go. Go on. Go. Sometimes we got we to gotta stick our neck out there, and we got we to gotta get up and go. I bet there's even people in this room today that have gone through trials and tribulations and struggles and major, major trials. You know what the hardest thing to do after a major trial in your life for some reason is to get up and go. Just a simple act of going to the grocery store feels like a, a, a mountain to climb. Going to church, going to your, to your connect group, going to work. Oh my goodness. No, you want to sit back and you just want to, you want to, you want to sit down for a while. What I would encourage everybody today, we got to get going. We got to get moving. God is saying, stand up and go today. You know, ever just, when you're a kid, 
sat in the car for the first time. Maybe you sat in your, your parents' lap. And uh, they, were, they were in the car together, and the car was sitting in the driveway, and you wanted to feel what it was like to turn the steering wheel, and it was hard. It was hard to turn the steering wheel, and you thought to yourself, how do they drive like this? This is hard work. That's because you, ha- you, you haven't moved forward yet. When you start moving forward, that steering wheel turns easily. That thing turns easily. You know, when you're just a kid in your, in your walk with the Lord, or maybe you're young in, in your walk with the Lord, sometimes we make a mistake of just sitting still for so long, or, or we're young and we're just sitting still, and it feels so hard to get turning. It feels so hard to do this thing. And God is saying, if you start going and moving forward, it's so much easier to turn that wheel. You'll watch, you'll see me move in your life as you go. I got things prepared for you, but you got to get up and you got to go. Amen, church? I believe God will use those who just move forward. God uses those who simply move forward. I, we, went, we went on a missions trip a number of years ago. I, I do believe it was the Dominican Republic. And it was one of those trips where there was a lot of people, and my wife and myself were not on the same missions team. And so what happened at the end of the day when we would finally come back to each other at the end of the night and lay down together in bed, we would just start to talk. How was your day? What was your day like? She told me this crazy story of her, her, her day out on the mission field. That day, her team was supposed to uh, facilitate just the line at the doctor's office. We call it the doctor's office. It was more like doctors in an arena. And this line would form of hundreds of people. And they would wait to go in to see the doctor or the dentist. And then they go to the pharmacy and get their prescription. But as they wait in line, you know, her team was just supposed to facilitate waiting in line. And she just was watching people in line and talking to people in line. And she came across this young girl who had a, a wandering eye. And she felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to pray for her. That's an interesting Ever, ever just, <laughs> I mean, come on, folks. That, that's, that's, a, that's a stick your neck out there kind of situation. Can I pray for you right now? I know you're waiting in line to see a doctor. You're probably not even here because of your eye. But let me just pray for you. She felt impressed with the Holy Spirit to pray for this girl. She said she laid her hands on the girl, and she started praying for her. And she, she stopped praying, and she looked at the girl, and she said that eye, she was just telling me this, the eye went inward more, but it wasn't fully back. And I felt like the Lord said, pray again. <laughs> now get started to get awkward. Oh, we're, can I pray for you again? Oh, okay. Here we go. We're going to pray again. She prayed for her again. Stop praying. And the girl opened her eyes and that, that eyeball was perfectly straight. Wow. That's pretty crazy, huh? That's pretty wild. How do I, how do I find myself in a situation like that? Hop on a plane with us. Go overseas. Walk amongst the people in the streets. Walk up to strangers who look sick, hurting. Have faith and pray for them. Easy, not easy. You can decide for yourself. Stick your neck. Sometimes you just gotta you just gotta do something. You know what I'm saying, folks? You ever just get tired of just sitting still, waiting for good things, waiting for God to use you? God says, oh, there's plenty of opportunities out there. Why don't you just get up and go? 
Get up and go already. And it takes some guts to get out there sometimes. It takes a little bit of something to get up there and do something for God. When I was in high school, I've shared this story a lot with the youth, but and I've probably shared it in here too, but when I was in high school, me and my friend Rob, we just had a, a, a heart to, to get our friends to church. It's interesting because we were just teenagers coming to church like any other teenager would. And there was nothing special about our youth group at the time. We didn't have the awesome building that they have right now. We met in the, uh, actually, youth was in the rainforest room. You know, you know who, what the, where the rain, rainforest room is at right now? That used to be the youth room at one point in time. And we were meeting in there, and it wasn't cool. It wasn't a cool space. It wasn't an awesome experience. Youth wasn't the greatest night of our lives. So sometimes when you invite your friends to church, you're like, you got to come to church. You know, there is um, a building, and uh, I'm going to be there, and this guy is going to preach and, and it's, you know, as you start to unfold all these, like, in reasons that you can come to church, they just go, yeah, it ain't for me, you know? And you're just like, yeah. So my friend Rob was like, listen, why don't we do something? We got to get our friends to church. Okay, what do you want to do? We started thinking, what could we do? How could we get our friends to church? He said, well, my birthday's coming up. Why don't we throw a birthday party Wednesday night? Wednesday night birthday party. You know, that's not very typical. That's actually not very cool. You know, you can't really stay out that late. What are you going to do? What do how, you know, what, how, how much is, we got school, then we're going to party, and then we're not going to go that late into the night, and that's going to be the party, you know? But it ended up turning out to be everybody super curious about why there would be a birthday party for Rob on a Wednesday night, and we called it a mystery night. A mystery night, and we made flyers, and, uh, and you got to come to my birthday, come to Rob's birthday. And uh, it's, it's, what are we doing? It's a mystery. You're going to see. It's going to be wild. But you got to come, come to Rob's house. It just so happened to be that, that we would meet at Rob's house anyway because we would do this thing called home teams. So what we did was we don't do this anymore, but, but we had kind of homes around the different cities where we would bring our friends to the home first, maybe eat some food and some drinks, hang out a little bit at the house, and then like we would carpool to church from the house. And so we were already doing that at Rob's house. And so he's like, we're already meet, we already have friends at the house. Why don't we just say after school, just come to the house. I got, you know, I got my Nintendo and I got ping pong and uh, we're going to just have pizza. And so they're like, let's go, let's go. It's a mystery night. What are we going to do? What's going on? How are we going to, you know, where are we going to go? It kind of was started to get exciting. About 20 of our friends showed up at Rob's house they had no idea that the mystery night was church. They didn't know. And you know, it wasn't the coolest thing in the world, but you know, piling in the car from his house was exciting. But me and Rob were nervous. Because we know what we're going to do. It piled in the cars, and we're like, oh, let's go, let's go. Where are we going, you know? And turned on Hickory Ridge Road, which is not like your, the street you turned on for a party. You know, where are we going? We're going to go to the horse farm down the street, you know? Giddy up, you know? I don't know. It's a secret, you know? It's a surprise. And coming down the street, come around the bend, 
pull into the church parking lot. You could, you, you could, you heard grumblings. You heard complainings. They weren't being a very good birthday buddy that night. They were like, Rob, what is this? Luke, what are we doing here? You know, this is stupid. This is lame. I don't want to go to church. Well, we're here, you know, we're here. And they came to church and I remember they were, they went to, they, they actually started to have some fun. There was like video games and snacks at church and live, live music, which they didn't, you know, teenagers don't really hear live music very often, especially back in those days. There wasn't really like church bands, but we had like a little church band and we did our thing. And, and, uh, the, uh, pastor Jeff, he preached and I remember he gave this altar call and I remember about half of our friends responded to the altar call and gave their lives to Jesus that night. And me and Rob were so excited and the night finally comes to a close and we're heading back to the, to Rob's house. It's about 9 PM at night, you know, 845 at night. And th- you know what they were saying on the way home? That was pretty cool, man. That was really cool. I liked, I liked, that was a fun night. We had a lot of fun. That was different. That was really cool. And, and many of them started continuing to come back to church the following Wednesday, the following Wednesday. But sometimes in order to do something, you got to stick your neck out there. Be willing to, to be a nerd. Be willing to be weird. Not a weirdo, but just odd. Just a little different, a little off, a little something different about you. There's nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus. And when you get that heart and you realize that, you, you start to actually, you see people differently. So much going on in the world. So much going on in the world right now. So many things to be worried about. I, they don't have any of the answers. But I do. It's Jesus. You have the answer. It's Jesus. And I want to encourage you with this, too. I know you're concerned about everything, but I want to say this. There will be enough of everything until Jesus returns. There really will be. There will be enough of everything until Jesus returns. He's talked about what the world's going to be like when, before he comes back and, and, and what it'll be like when he, the day he comes back. You know how he describes that day? It's a normal day. Two men are out walking. One will disappear. Two women are grinding at the millstone. One will disappear. Two are lying in bed. One will disappear. It's a normal day. There's not fear and worry and stress happening. It's a, it's a normal day. They're eating food. They're putting gas in their car. There's going to be enough oil. There's going to be enough gas. They're at a restaurant eating. They're grinding the flour. They're doing normal things, and Jesus is going to return. I want to just drop some faith in your spirit today that there's going to be enough of everything until Jesus returns. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you, yeah, you know, I know it's, it's, it's great when I say it, but then when you, when you read it out of the word of God, it brings it to life, doesn't it, church? God is not swayed. God is not moved. God is not swayed by faithless words of many, many unbelievers. But he is swayed by faith words of just one believer. He's moved with the faith of one person. When I say faith words, I I don't mean like a guess or a wish. I think there's just too many quote-unquote prophets these days guessing and wishing things. Forget that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real, true words of faith. Real, prophetic 
words. God is moved by words of faith. Even right now as I preach, there could possibly be someone right now listening to me disagreeing with everything I say, but I want to let you know right now, it don't, move, it don't change nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't affect the plans God has in place. The faithless words of many unbelievers doesn't move God, but the faith words of one believer moves God. God is moved by faith. Let's read a story out of the Old Testament, Isaiah 36, verses 13 through 20. This is a story of the king of Assyria. The, the army of Assyria has, has decided to completely attack Israel. And, and, they, and they're a strong nation and a strong army, and their, their ruler is ruthless and mean and cruel and hates God, doesn't believe in the God of Israel. He's about to attack Israel, and before he attacks Israel, he sends out a spokesperson to, to speak over Israel. I wonder what that spokesperson from the king of Assyria says to Israel. I wonder, what, I wonder what the spokesperson is saying over America. I wonder what the administration's spokesperson is saying over our nation. I wonder if it's biblical. I wonder if it's God-centered. I wonder if it's from the word of God. But what should our response be? Let's learn a little bit today. His name is... Rabshaka. Then the Rabshaka stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given in the hand of king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make peace with me by a present and, and come out to me and every one of you eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Indeed, they, they delivered Samaria from my hand. Who among all the gods of those lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? What an unbeliever speaking blasphemy to the people of Israel in this scripture. But God is not swayed by these words of Rabshakeh. God is not swayed by the words of unbelievers. God's plans do not diminish or shrink back because unbelievers speak lies. Hmm. And I would even say that's good news for me today. That's good news for you today because you know at times in my own faith journey and my own words, I've, I've been an unbeliever. I've been a doubter. 
I've been a, a shrinker backer. And maybe you have too. And thank God that God wasn't moved by my faithless words, by my doubts, by my shrinking back in my journey. Thank God he wasn't swayed by those words, but that he stood true to the word of God, the everlasting word. There's so many words for us. And I'm, God, I'm glad God doesn't listen to faithless words. He uses us even at times despite our own words. Ever had fears and doubts and you just didn't think and it was gonna, you didn't think it was gonna work out and every thought and even every prayer was full of doubt and everything you ever did during the day was just, I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know if it's gonna happen. And then it happens and you feel God say, I did it for you despite all your doubt. Despite all your faithless words, I did it for you anyway. That's because we serve a good God. Amen, church? Man, I'm thankful God didn't listen to me sometimes. I'm thankful. I remember one time driving to church. I, this has happened so many times with this one event in particular. We were doing a big young adult event, and we were doing a, a, a big slip and slide, and there was a pool and a ramp into the, uh, the big slip and slide down this big ramp into a pool, and there was a dunk tank, and there was water balloons, and it was uh, supposed to be a super fun night in the middle of summer, and I'm driving to church in the worst thunderstorm I have ever experienced in my entire life. I was driving down Hickory Ridge Road at 6 p.m. at night, in the middle of summer, sunshine is supposed to be out. It's dark as night. Never see, I had to turn my headlights on. And then couple that with 50 mile per hour winds, torrential downpour of rain. And this is the weirdest thing in the world. And I can't lie to you. I'm on the pulpit. There was lightning every second. It was the most terrifying storm I've ever been in, in my entire life driving to church for a slip and slide party. 6 p.m., event starts at 7. I'm driving in my car, and I'm getting angry at God. Lord, we prayed over this night. Lord, we believe in God for a great great night. This is what you're doing to me? This is what you're doing, God? Alicia yelled out, is that all you got? Now, you might be thinking, oh, how dare you say that to God? I'm just a little flea in this world. I could say that, and God's not swayed by it. And he corrected me, though, so don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. He corrected me. And at 7 p.m., when the doors opened for church, the storm was gone, the wind was gone, the blue sky came out, the birds started chirping, and the slip and slide was pre-soaked. And everybody showed up. Thank God he's not swayed by our unbelief. Huh. Listen to what happens, Isaiah 36, verse 21. Listen to how the people responded. But they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's command was, do not answer him. You don't have to answer faithless people. You don't have to talk to them. Yeah, get out of my way. Get out of here. That's a lie. I don't have to believe that. I don't have to answer that. But you know what you got to do? You don't have to answer them, but this is what you got to do. You can't let it negatively affect you. Don't let it get into your heart. 
Isaiah 37, verses 5 through 7. So the servants of King Hezekiah, this is the, this is the prophet Hezekiah. This is the King Hezekiah. This is the man that God has put in place for, over Israel. This is him. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Or surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. If you're in a season of doubt, a season of fear, a season of unbelief, a season of anxiety, there's one thing you must do. Pray. That's my only point today. Point number one, final point. Pray. Isaiah 37, verses 21 through 22. Then Isaiah, the son of Amaz, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, laughed you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. That's, what God, that's how God thinks about those who doubt him laughs at them, shakes his head at them, unswayed, unmoved by the faithless words of unbelievers. I told you God's not moved by them. Isaiah 37, verses 36 through 38. Then the angel of the Lord went out. Who went out? An angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass as he was worshiping in the house of Nicroch, his god, which is a false god, that his sons, look at his own sons, their names were Adremelech and Sherazar struck him down with the sword and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Asar Hadon, his son, reigned in his place. This miracle takes place, increases the faith of the people of Israel, increases the faith of Hezekiah. Man, you need to experience a miracle in your life. We need to create a place where God can do things in our life where faith can grow. This is the God we serve. Listen, I'm going to finish with this last verse. Isaiah 51, verses 15 through 16. This verse describes the God we serve, church. For I am the Lord, your God, who stirs up the sea, causing its waves to roar. My name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says to Israel, you are my people. When you hear about how great God is, you get courageous. At the start of the message, when I say, come on, let's, let's stick our neck out. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But by the time I get to the end of the message, I say, come on, let's go. You say, let's go. Let's go. I've got a glimpse of who God is. I've got a glimpse of my enemy. I've laughed at him and I've shaken my head at him. I've laughed at him and I've shaken my head at him. Him. God is looking for a people like that. God will use a people like that. God will use a church like that. So many, so many in the church. There's an army. If we just gather together and have faith, 
we can watch what God can do. Can I get an amen? Let's worship a little bit. Let's worship. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just finish up with some faith-filled worship. It's such a good song. One of my favorite songs right now, Jesus, have it all. All my days. All my life. Jesus, have it all. Amen, church? Let's sing. All my days. Yes, all my days. All my life. Have it all. Yes, all my days. Come on. All my life. Have it all. All my days. Yes, all my days, all my life, have it all. Yes, all my days, all my life, have it all. Yes, all my days. I just feel like faith has increased in this room today. That that there was one where there was once fear, that's been replaced with 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 confidence. Jesus have it all. I believe God would say to all of us today, trust me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. The wicked will fall, the righteous will rise. Do you trust me? Justice will be served. Do you trust me? Oh, Lord, all my days, all my life, I'm yours. Increase the faith in this place, we pray. Let Cornerstone Church be a church full of tremendous faith that's attractive to the world around us. May we walk into every space with a smile, knowing God is on our side, the undefeated one. All we've got to do is just show up and angels from heaven go before us. 
They go before us, church. They do the work for us when all we then all we got to do is just walk in it. Hallelujah. 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 All my days. Yes, all my days. You got to stick your neck out there. You know what you need to do? You got to start moving forward. You need to start speaking differently, thinking differently. Get rid of that stinking thinking. Our God cares for us, knows our needs, loves us dearly. And despite all your faithless doubts and faithless words, he's still going to bless you. He still made you the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower. Amen. Yeah, amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. He's just looking for people who have faith today. Faith to believe. That's all it takes. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We've got just a few moments left in church. There's a wonderful amount of faith in church today. There's faith to believe today, and I wonder if there's anybody in this church right now who wants to become a believer. They've got faith to believe in Jesus Christ. The one who shed his blood that has washed away all your sins. The one who lived a perfect life but died a sinner's death. Took your place on the cross. Is prepared paradise for you if you would just believe today. If you would just believe in Jesus today and live for Jesus today. All the things he has prepared for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what he has planned for those who love him. And if you're here today and you're, you're not a believer in Jesus, but today's your day to, to give your life to him, everything you are, give it over to him and ask him to forgive you of all your sins. I want to pray with you today. So if that's you in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today in the 9 a.m. service and say, pray for me, Pastor Lucas, I want to give my life to Jesus, just li- lift your hand right up into the air and say, pray for me, Pastor Lucas pray for me. I want to believe. I'm a believer. Pray for me. Today's my day. All right. No hands. So you know what that means, church? Go ahead and look at me. No hands. You know what that means? You got to bring somebody next week. That means you got to bring somebody next week who needs, the, who needs that invitation. That's what that means.